0: you're watching and listening to so many sequels i'm josh i'm andrew i'm garrett not david oh that froze perfectly uh when you said i'm david david
1: no perfect
0: at least it can at least it lets you get your name out rather than a bit of
2: suspense we apologize for last week's episode if it's as bad as it felt when it was
0: recording it. as we thought it was gonna be yeah Oh, well, we'll we see. were all
1: Over the place. We don't
0: know what we're doing. No, it took like like six videos.
3: Do we ever ever know what we're doing?
1: Sometimes technology doesn't make things easier. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, unfortunately our Cloverfield episode was cursed, but um, here's hoping that Tin Cloverfield Lane is an easier experience for all of us, and that's what we're talking about today. That's right. Tin Cloverfield Lane is a uh, like a pseudo sequel, I suppose you could say to Cloverfield. Mm. The Clover, There's There's a Cloverfield universe now, um, that consists of three movies. None of them are really directly related to each other, but there are some indirect connections. Um, the first movie was about was a found footage film about a uh, monster bearing down on New York City. This movie. Is uh, a traditional narrative, not found footage uh, story about a woman who is in a car crash, wakes up in an underground bunker with John Goodman, which is where I'd want to wake up.
2: Yeah, not 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 all things not not terrible upon first. Uh, uh, okay, John Goodman here. I
0: don't know what's going on. This version Some guy of John from the news Goodman newsroom very mean, very mean version of John Goodman. Oh yeah. So she's trapped in this bunker. He won't let her out. He's telling her this crazy stuff about you can't go outside, the air is toxic, you'll die, everyone's dead, we have to stay down here. And it's all about her journey to um escape the clutches of this seemingly mad man. So, that said, oh, this movie, yeah, John Goodman and um Mary Elizabeth Winstead star along with uh
2: John oh, Gallagher Jr.
0: Jim Halpert.
1: <laughs> wanna be, wanna be Jim
2: Halpert.
0: No, so yeah, John, uh, John Gallagher Jr. Well, he plays for those of you who did see the the newsroom, he, his name is Jim Harper on the newsroom. Oh. Yeah. And if you look at him, he gives off some some Krasinski vibes a little bit <laughs> with with the shaggy uh season 3 hair. <laughs> it's there it's there so and they're yeah, really, really it they're really the only three people on screen if i'm not mistaken we, there are some we voices see one
2: other person that's it yeah
0: oh yeah We're yeah ladies. you're right you're right very briefly um so was this anyone's first time watching this movie
2: this was my, my first time watching this movie
0: it was it was david's first time it was probably andrew's first time watching it awake
2: I don't know a fact Uh, about Andrew. He once fell asleep during a movie. Once, all of them. He once (laughs) fell asleep. That's
0: what that's what I said. You fell asleep once in every movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, then let's let's start with David so we can get his fresh perspective on this movie.
2: So going in, I, I I knew basically from the trailers I had seen the the concept of the bunker, but I didn't really know in relation what exactly the characters were. I didn't know like if there was a father son dynamic with the two guys, if there was a you know brother sister dynamic. I didn't really know what the, the the relationships were to these three characters other than they were in a bunker. One of them knew more than they were letting on, and uh, that it somehow tied into the Cloverfield uh, 2008's Cloverfield. So um watching it i had a lot of thoughts going through my head um you know immediately very um not trustworthy of of john goodman's character howard um Mm -hmm. while at the same time uh just trying to figure out like how much where does this take place in relation to what i already know if it takes place in the cloverfield universe he's talking about a nuclear you know nuclear fallout he's talking about some kind of chemical bomb so you're trying to think like can i trust him has all that happened you know like you know is that what's happened since the events of the first movie and here we are she the movie starts with her in her apartment packing up to leave um in a sort of a huff about something and then gets in this car crash and then is abducted so we don't really have a lot of information going in before she wakes up here so he's the only way we're getting really any details about the outside world um something that i found to be very good about this movie was that we never really leave um, only a handful of times do we ever leave Michelle played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead's perspective. Um, whatever she knows, we know if it ha- if, if she's not directly, that's my dog. If she uh, doesn't directly see it or isn't directly involved with it, then we don't really know about it. There are many times where she's sitting in a room and you just hear sounds going on in the background and you don't really know what that is. And, um, we don't, and so I really appreciated that similar to Cloverfield, you're forced to draw some of your own conclusions. We don't, we don't get to see what's going on in the outside world. We don't even really see John Goodman by himself that many times. So, uh, I thought that was a really cool way to do it. It's a very claustrophobic set, but at the same time, they make a way to maximize that, uh, that, that space. And, uh, so I thought it was very cool. I thought it was more of a thriller than Cloverfield was. And I thought they did a good job of building the tension before finally, um, you know, blowing the cap on it by the climax. Uh, the climax was uh, more did a lot more than I really thought it was going to do. Um, I was kind of I was kind of on the edge of my seat by that point because I was like, what, what is it? What are they gonna do? What's going to happen next?
0: So, yeah,
1: I was uh, <clears throat> I, the, the I had seen it. Uh, I've only seen it once, I think. Uh, I only remember watching it in the theater. Um, but I remember the twist and, and remember that, you know, Howard comes off as crazy. And then we learn that he's right. Uh, what I forgot about was the second t- turn of Howard. Um, so for the first, hmm, first good while of this movie, I don't remember how long it was I, was. I was not as intrigued in it because I knew what was going to happen. Um, so the, vibe, the creepy vibes and the weirdness vibes that I got that first time didn't hit as hard um, until she found that picture in that book. Uh, or no, I guess it was whenever she found help scratched from the inside of the bunker. From that moment, I was fully invested because I forgot about the entire second half of that. I forgot about him taking that other turn. Um, and from that moment I was fully invested because I couldn't remember where it was going to go. I knew that she was going to get out. Um, but I didn't remember how it was going to go down. And, and as soon as that moment happened, I was sucked back in and really remembered how good John Goodman is because he's so untrustworthy throughout the whole movie. He's being legitimate. He's, uh, also being creepy, he does have a secret. We assume that the storyline of him, you know, allegedly using this bumper, bunker to hold this woman, this girl captive is never really fully 100% defined. You find a picture of them together, but somebody looks like they were taking the picture. So it could have just been a picture. Uh, but there are so many questions that we have left after this movie. Um, that it just, it, the movie itself does a really good job. And, and each of these movies so far have really done a good job of giving you more questions. Um, each movie also so far has set itself up for some kind of direct sequel. These are not direct sequels, but like, again, I we go back to Cloverfield where I said it could have been interesting to have a sequel from somebody else's narrow perspective. And you expand on that story, this particular story, it ends with uh, Michelle going to Houston As she hears on the radio, they've been able to defeat more of these aliens that are incoming, and they've taken back the southern seaboard, uh, or seaborder. So there are several different things that they can do with this entire universe, and who knows what they will or won't do. Um, Everything is up for your interpretation at this point, because we don't have answers. We have stories in this universe, and I really like the way that they have set all of this up so far.
3: I want to I want to say that I love how this movie was written and uh, major props I mean you all have pretty much said everything about John Goodman uh, i this might be my favorite John Goodman film and the way the reason why I say it was written very well is because you have such a I feel like this this movie kind of like goes through is just like a series of, of uh, really just transitions because at first yeah you don't know if is it, is John Goodman Howard in this movie yes yeah
2: no. okay that's his character's name yeah okay uh,
3: you don't really know like you don't really know that much about Howard in the beginning and then you kind of sympathize with him towards towards the middle and. What what really struck me was when he gave when he gave uh, Mary uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's uh, character the key, the key to her handcuffs in the very beginning because she was braced to the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He's holding her captive, but he's giving her the key. And we and it peels itself. This movie's like an onion. There's so many layers that you have to just. It's like an onion. Yeah. Ogres are like onions.
2: You know people like parfaits. <laughs> Look somebody if they want a parfait and somebody says, Are you oh, no, proud? I don't want a
0: parfait. Are you proud of making this happen? <laughs> it's you directed knew at you, Andrew. Yeah, it's directed at you. <laughs> you knew that would happen. Yeah, no, you I let didn't. It happen. No, I didn't. You can't say this movie's a lot like an onion. It has yeah. layers. And not think that at minimum David <laughs> will pull out a donkey impression. Minimum. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. what have you done i
3: am a monster. continue with your
1: onion analogy jeez uh,
3: it just it just peels itself open like, like like layers there's so many layers to this movie Fuck.
1: <laughs> just keep going power through boy
2: there's so You're many money.
0: layers to this onion movie. yeah
1: yeah
2: you're absolutely right because it starts <laughs> off you think it's pretty simplistic. You think it's pretty straightforward. But then it's like, okay, maybe the guy's not maybe the guy's being honest. Because you see a woman mm-hmm. practically die at their doorstep. And you're thinking, okay, maybe he's a bad guy and it's nuclear holocaust outside. Yeah. That's two really bad scenarios to be in. Yeah. That's a really bad JJ Abrams put it as this it's the ultimate what if movie. What if you found out that you couldn't go outside? but you also couldn't stay inside.
0: Right. What well, would you and- do?
2: Outside is certain death, inside is also certain death. Which, you know, which evil do you choose? It's a pretty messed up situation.
0: And as audience members, if you're going into this as a established fan of the first Cloverfield movie, you're pretty confident that John Goodman's telling the truth. Yeah. Just just based on how the first movie went. You're you're like, okay, that movie ended with a giant monster bearing down on New York and killing a bunch of people. John Goodman is probably right, but there's enough doubt planted that even the audience has the opportunity to question him.
1: And even if he is right,
0: he still comes off as
1: crazy. So he could be right, but also crazy. So like you said, you're, you know, certain death up here, possible death up here, but they do such a good job with making you think. One of the, the subtle things that really stands out of his level of creepiness is there, there are two things that really um, I, I got that we didn't get much out of. There's a section after uh, he boils Emmett where he says something to Michelle of like, this is how it was supposed to originally be there wasn't uh it wasn't part of the plan it is what it made it sound like and we learn that he john goodman's character ran michelle off of the road at the beginning of this uh, and brought her to this bunker um it and he says that he was in a panic he tells the story of he was in a panic um he was so concerned. He knew something was happening and he was he was really just flying down the road to get to his bunker and driving erratically, ran her off the road, felt bad about it, grabbed her and brought her in. But then after he tells that story, later on, he, after, again, Emmett's gone, he says to her, uh, "This it's just you and me and that's the way it was supposed to be. So is that led to be a plan? You never know because they never... They never expand on that because she eventually escapes. The other one that comes out is when they're playing charades and Emmett is still alive at this point and he's trying to get him to guess little women. He couldn't bring himself to say women. And it was really creepy to me the way that it was portrayed. He said, oh, Michelle is one. And he was like, "Uh, girl, uh, child, uh, uh, little princess. And it was like, That's really creepy. Um, Especially whenever we would later find out that he may have kidnapped a young girl, put her in this bunker and held her captive. Like all of these questions are swimming around still because we don't have these answers because that is not the movie. It's just part of it. And it adds to all of this weird creepiness throughout the whole movie.
2: Yeah. It's a real situation where he may be, he's, he's, Uh, clearly in some degree right about his response of creating this bunker and hiding because the world is going through a a, a supposed seemingly an alien invasion, but it's the worst situation because you're trapped under there with a guy who appears to be going through some pretty severe mental distress Um, may uh, appears to have, you know, like as it's revealed, uh, you know, as a secondary sort of twist uh, had some sort of bad relationship with his wife and his daughter. Mm-hmm. and has most likely abducted and killed a, a previous girl how long has he been watching michelle is this a random happenstance that just kind of perfectly fit for him yeah. or has he been you know planning to take her and then the world happens to end um you know uh you know, like you said emmett he hurt himself just trying to get in the bunker because he helped build it
1: mm-hmm.
2: but howard didn't want him there right. and the dynamic between howard and michelle is very authentic very disarming whereas the relationship between howard and emmett is very tense yeah. it's very clear that howard does not want
1: emmett there at all and he's just kind of putting up with it yeah there's a lot of tense at moments that's just this whole movie and again there's this whole after uh, throughout this whole movie John, uh, howard is trying to pass off megan As his daughter, he shows a picture of this woman or this girl, Mm -hmm. Megan, to Michelle. and says, this is my daughter. Emmett knows Howard and has known him for a while and knows his daughter. He sees the same picture and goes, that's not his daughter. This is a girl named Brittany who who vanished. So that's how we come to learn this. Um, Then at that moment, Michelle and Emmett begin working together to hatch a plan to escape because now this is where the third, the second or third turn for Howard happened where she didn't believe him, then she did believe him, and now she doesn't believe him again. So they're trying to hatch this plan to escape because now she's at the point where she doesn't think anything's going on up above the bunker. So they start building their own hazmat suits and gas masks and they're playing charades again And the clue that John Goodman or Howard has is Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I "I know what you're doing. I see. I see everything. And he's not like saying the typical like Santa Claus versions. It's kind of this Howard version of of what Santa would say. And because we know what's going on and because we know how Howard is, the the tension is building and Emmett feels it and Howard's just playing this game maybe. And then Michelle finally jumps in and is like Santa Claus. And he's like, yeah. So that whole exchange just again, adds to this, what is going on? Who knows what it's really just a good back and forth throughout this whole movie.
2: Yeah. It's very interesting because Howard, as John Goodman plays him is very like uh, seemingly doesn't have a lot of Seemingly Howard as a person doesn't have that much dimension because the difference between him being really pissed at you and having fun is like eerily similar. Mm -hmm. It's like he even like after like, after she guesses Santa Claus, he goes, well, it wasn't really your turn. Michelle You can't really guess now. And she, and she was like, I'm sorry. And he's like, I'm taking the point anyway. He's like writing it down, which is like the funniest thing he might say in the whole movie. He's like, well, I'm taking that point anyway, but he still sounds scary. uh there's a part in the movie where he dances and that's even scary like uh john goodman pours so much into this character and uh and so it comes across as like a truly terrifying no matter what he's doing or saying even when he even when the character seems to be having fun you're still not comfortable
0: yeah yeah
1: I've said many times that he should. I think that he should have been nominated for some kind of an Oscar because of the acting that he portrayed into that character and the the, the disbelief that you have in him throughout the whole thing. Again, even though you know he's telling the truth at some point in time, he's you see, he's still not trustworthy. Is he really trying to save her? Is he want, Is he got like some other nefarious plans? You genuinely have no idea what is going through his mind throughout this whole thing, and he. Is just such a powerful presence throughout the whole thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he is the monster in this. And uh he, he, is, he's he is the monster. At times sympathetic, uh, but you're never really sure how like is, is 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 he playing that is he playing that, is the actor playing that as a is the excuse, me, is the character playing that as a part, or is he because like he's clearly lying, you know? Even when it's revealed, and even when he tells the truth, it's revealed later. No, nope, still lying. Like, how aware of, is he of his own lies? You know, it's very. He's a very. It's a very complex character uh, in a seemingly simple in a seemingly simple package.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk about the a little bit of behind the scenes, the making of this movie a bit. Um, Andrew had pointed out the writing being very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by initially is the stories by Josh Campbell and Matt Stukin. I believe is how it's pronounced who um, prior to this movie don't have a lot of writing credits. So they're relative unknowns and directed by um, Dan Trachtenberg, who also um, was an unknown. This is his feature debut as a director. That's right. And it was, um, When the movie was bought by Paramount, they actually brought in Damien Chazelle to rewrite the script and direct the movie. So um, Damien Chazelle, of course, is the uh, writer-director of La La Land and Whiplash. Um, He actually dropped out of directing the movie to go and do Whiplash, which Mm -hmm. went on to be nominated for Best Picture, so probably a good choice. Um, But anyway, he was still the... uh, one of the credited writers on the movie. And what I found really fascinating was that this movie was not written to be in the Cloverfield universe at all. Um, In fact, it wasn't even decided it would be a Cloverfield movie until after it had already been made. Um, Just a few days before the trailer was released was when they actually decided to call it 10 Cloverfield lane, which I think is uh, really fun. (laughs) I guess throughout throughout production, they kind of, uh, Noticed some vibes that were like, okay, this is kind of like Cloverfieldy, and Bad Robot was already working on it uh, with Paramount, and eventually they JJ decided to make it this like spiritual successor. So I just found it really interesting that this movie pulled off being a Cloverfield movie, right? Without having without that having been the intention at all at any point.
2: Yeah cuz it totally works without being without without any of the very thin ties that they do put in it works without being a sequel like even if you if you didn't know it, it wouldn't matter to you cuz it, it, the movie works um JJ in a behind the scenes thing I was watching said that it the script came to him as like a spec script that was like inspired by the uh twilight zone and it was just one of those sort of uh crazy what if scenario what if kind of movies And people have been talking about a sequel to Cloverfield for years. And he, uh, at some point along the way, they decided, hey, what if we may tie this into the Cloverfield universe? And he said that he used the phrase, people often bemoan that we don't have enough original concept movies these days. If we can sneak an original concept in under the guise of it being a sequel movie, then we can give people what they want and uh, nobody will be the
1: wiser. It's a dangerous game to play though, we'll talk more about it next week. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. True. Um, this one did. Cloverfield Paradox may not. You what?
3: No, well what I was gonna say was was that since it's all kind of it's all kind of within the same universe. I remember JJ Abrams saying that this was like something of a blood relative of Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. So if anything, this is just like its second cousin. Um, I wonder if like because of this, because of the Cloverfield universe that we have kind of gotten into, I wonder if because of that, we will actually get more movies from these sequels. And these three movies, I've not seen the third one yet, but uh, if these three movies are just setting up for like three different timelines that will eventually meet.
1: So I, I don't. I, I'm going to talk more about this next week. But because you did bring it up, um, I found an article that talks a little bit about the timelines and the universe itself. Um, basically, the gist is: Cloverfield paradox in some way, shape, or form ties them together. Um, again, I don't want to get too deep. This is my little like tease of what I'll talk about next week. Um, but there is. T- Cloverfield Paradox does tie them into the same universe, but that doesn't mean basically we might have a Marvel situation going on where we've got various universes.
0: Okay.
1: So, they're also allegedly, again, who knows, is a fourth Cloverfield movie that's going to be working on and taking place in World War II. Um, I don't know exactly how old this movie, this article is. I need to see if I can find a date. Um, but my assumption is that that could have been Overlord and that it did not become a Cloverfield movie because well, there, there were rumors that Overlord was going to be a Cloverfield movie and it is not.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's on J. J.J. Abrams. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is
1: J.J. Abrams. Yeah.
2: So,
0: yeah, there was talk that. And, it, and if it had been. It it could it would have worked if you all have not seen Overlord.
1: It's fantastic.
0: It's great. It's, it is fantastic, and it very easily would have worked as a Cloverfield movie. Um, unfortunately, that
2: during like a what the world war World War II. It's set mm-hmm. during
0: D Day. Yeah. Interesting. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Um, unfortunately, I was reading that um, any more Cloverfield movies are. Uh, not likely at this point because um, last year, JJ signed a production deal with Warner Brothers and the Cloverfield franchise is owned by Paramount. And um, so um, working that out would be very difficult. So we're never going to have to go on without these JJ. may be the everyone. only three we get. Well, that's a shame. Um, it would be a shame. I hope that they work something out because there had, uh, there are other older interviews from, I believe it was 2018 or so where JJ said that they were working on a true sequel to the first Cloverfield movie. That would be a direct sequel, but that was before he moved to Warner Brothers. So,
1: Well, and it would just be a shame because the way this universe is set up, they don't even have to be sequels. You can have so much semi, I mean, kind of like what you said, David, you have semi-original content where you have these movies that don't necessarily tie in other than the fact that they have some kind of Cloverfield monster that is incorporated in some way, shape or form, how they do it, who knows. But again, this Ten Cloverfield lane drastically different than Cloverfield, yeah. but because they have very similar monsters in the same universe without being the same movie. Cloverfield paradox completely different than both of these movies. It takes place in space. It's very um, sci-fi garnered rather than monster or suspense and thriller. So you could have a wide variety of genres that tie in just based on the fact that they have some kind of like Cloverfield monster Across various dimensions, who knows? But yeah, I mean, it would be a shame to lose out on something like that because these are some of the more clever and original movies that we've had in the last twelve years.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could be as something as simple as we've created a movie universe in which, at some point in the late two thousands, there was an alien attack, and that manifested in a couple of different ways, and. We're not going to have a big central storyline. This isn't all building to one big final movie or anything like that. But just these are a series of stories that all take place in a world in which an alien invasion took place. And they m- may not have any direct connection to each other. This movie, Clo- Ten Cloverfield Lane, doesn't have any real connection, a tangible connection to the first Cloverfield. But it's a story that just happens to be going on at the same time as this event that we saw in another movie. Um, and I think that'd be an interesting concept. It's just like, Hey, we're creating a, we're creating a, a world in which a series of stories can take place. Um, and here's the central event. You got to witness the central event that started it. And cause what we see at the end of this movie is like, we see spaceships in the air. We see uh, all kinds of other creatures. Um, so it's not like the, it's not like the first Cloverfield at all, where you just have like one central monster, uh, one central creature. It's, a uh, uh, things got way more out of hand than what we saw in the in in the first film so uh if i don't know what chlorophyll paradox is like if it's if it's in space it might just be like hey you know this was our this was our, our day that will live in infamy all these years ago uh that happened in new york and we've just been trying to cope ever since i don't think you have to like have this all build to some final climax even who knows? I mean, I, obviously, I don't think they can keep putting the word Cloverfield in it after a while, though.
1: Yeah, that would give it away. And, and what I like about these is that they're kind of secretive. Like, these movies are fun. Um, the whole, again, going back to Overlord, the whole, is it a part of Cloverfield? Is it not a part of Cloverfield? Um, you know, you can build these hypothetical movies up in a way where it's like, this could be, but is it? And then you throw the movie in there or the name in there, then it kind of gives it away. But you create this marketing campaign within its own of, is this going to be another Cloverfield movie or is this just something that looks really cool and that I'm going to enjoy because it gives me that vibe. You could go either way. You got The red string thumbtank yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: all of all of these movies have had a uh, very secretive release strategy that has been real cool we talked about the cloverfields last week um for tin cloverfield lane um the movie wasn't even really like publicly made or known public until two months before it came out uh the trailer and the title were revealed in january and by march it was released so there was no buildup to this movie virtually at all. Um, it was just, Hey, surprise. There's a new Cloverfield movie and it'll be out in two months. <laughs> yeah. um, surprising everybody. Yeah. And, it, and then they also had a viral campaign involved with it. That did some of that fun stuff that the first one did as well.
3: I, I think I, I like how, how secretive it is. I think I like, how, I think I like that. Not just not just the viral marketing. The viral marketing is cool. I'll, I'll just say that. like h- How they're able to pull that off with such limited resources is amazing. Mm-hmm. And to pull off such a really good film is even better. Um, I also like that, you know, I also like not knowing what's going to happen. And if there's anything so far that we've learned about these movies is that we don't know what's going to happen. We have absolutely no idea. They don't follow a formula. They don't follow a common formula at all, and that makes that makes these movies better. Yeah. I agree. They, they follow they, their own
0: formula for sure.
3: They follow their own. Yeah, they follow their own formula, and to me, that just means that they don't age. What they don't age, <laughs> period. Period. Okay. There we go. They uh, don't age well. Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what no. else
2: is a compliment to it? And, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it should just go to the production company or if it should go to JJ directly. But both movies gave opportunities to directors who had uh, not done as much work. Yep. Like we said it was Trachtenberg's yes. feature film debut. It was one. It was, I think it was only Matt Reeves' third movie he'd ever directed, and his first movie since the since the early two thousands. So. um... You may have talked. I don't know, about I don't know if the case is for Cloverfield Paradox as well. Uh, I know that was was that produced for Netflix.
0: I uh, no, it I was purchased so. by Netflix.
2: Yeah. Purchased. Okay, so um, it's giving a lot of opportunities to people who have uh, lesser on their uh, on their resume, giving them a real opportunity to
1: work uh, with something different. Josh, you may have mentioned this when you were talking about the director and I. Mr. or forgot it as we continue the conversation, but did you talk about what he's done since this movie?
0: He's done nothing. But yeah. He's just done two. He's done an episode of um, um, The Boys on Amazon, a superhero show. Yeah. Uh, if anyone has heard of that, and he has done an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. That's so, it.
1: That's crazy to me because this. Movie, watch the way that it's directed, and he should be a sought after director. Again, this movie is is really well done. the The story has you going in and out; you never know where you're going to go. And the fact that he hasn't been more sought after after something like this being your first movie is wild. That makes sense.
3: Yeah, I I, I don't know what what to add to that because there are time, there are times when. A, the director will come out. There are directors who've been nominated for Oscars that don't really have a career after that. They've also won Oscars that don't really have a career like that. Um, case in point, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and use Tom Hooper, who directed The King's Speech. Like mm-hmm. the only the only other hit he really did was Les Misérables, and right now, what is he known for? Cats. Ah, I don't know that he's known for cats.
2: Yeah, he's probably known for, uh, what? you say the King's Speech? He did the, he did the King
3: Speech. Okay. Yeah. I, he did the King's Speech. And also, I mean, there's, there's tons of other examples. Oh, yeah. Like,
2: I'll have one here in just a minute.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, like, if you look at every, not every director, but almost every other director of any Marvel movie, that's that doesn't have like a big name attached to it just saying
2: it's hey, it's true not every not every uh not everything pans out to be uh sometimes you know you can have i I think this is a really well directed movie and and based on uh what i what i was watching and a lot of the behind the scenes material everybody enjoyed working with them and everybody thought it was a good overall production Yeah, Uh, it's strange to me that and it may just be as simple as like he has maybe his representation is bad. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not as interested anymore. Maybe, you know, this movie burned him out on 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 the aspect of directing a feature film, who knows. But it's always interesting to see like a really good movie. And then you see like the creative team behind it didn't really go on to do